First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this lovely Friday evening. I mean, it's a little, little rainy out. Is that, a, is that the right word? It's a little dreary, but it's nice. It's we're on the doorstep of, of summer, and I am so happy. I'm so happy we're past winter, as I say every week, because I whine about winter because I'm getting old, and I want to be in Florida. Maybe. I don't know. Florida's kind of weird, but maybe some, somewhere in like Hawaii, whatever. Anyway, thank you for joining me, and before I continue, as always, I'd love for you to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Store Curtain YouTube channel, where we bring you live shows like this one each and every day and night. And earlier tonight, we had the Touchdown Under show with Maddie Peverell and Mark Davison. You can catch that every Friday at 5. We have this show every every Friday the, at 9. We have... We have The Hangover on Monday with Brian Anthony Davis, yours truly, and Shannon White, the great Shannon White. We have The Scobro Show every Tuesday with Dave Schofield and his big brother, Rich Schofield. We have The Curtain Call in the offseason, Know Your Enemy in the regular season, and that's with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White. We have The Preview on Thursday with, with Jeff Hartman, the editor, Dave, the editor, and Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer. See, we have... We have um, what else we have? We have Bad Language on Sundays with Brian Anthony Davis. We have the Steelers Q&A. I was a co-host with Kyle Christ last Sunday night. That was a fun show. That's every Sunday. We run the North with, with uh, Kevin Tate. I think I covered enough of our live shows. And we have so many, it's hard to keep track. 
I have to, I have to put a wristband on like, like, uh, like Kenny Pickett's going to have to do this year. So I can remember all the shows. Uh, and you can catch all those shows again on face on, uh, on, on YouTube uh, live. And you can also catch those shows on Facebook live, which if you're watching me right now on Facebook, you know that. So hello, Facebook, be kind. And you can catch all those shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. I like iHeartRadio. I have it downloaded on my Roku channel. And I, I listen to my show all the time to get better and to other people's shows to be informed. And you'll be informed too if you listen to all of our shows. So please check those out. And of course, we have a whole audio-only family of shows that we bring to you each and every week, including the half-hour power hour or the one-hour with Chris Pugh, that show. Uh, what he's talking about with Kyle, that's a great show. Uh, From the Cunning Room Floor with, with Jeffrey Benedict. The Live Mic with Michael Beck. I think I think we still have that show. I'll have to check. The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield. The very popular flagship, Let's Ride with, with Jeff. The War Room with Maddie. And again, you can catch all those on any audio platform of your choosing. We record them. We stream them. And then you can find them anywhere on any any place where you, where you listen to podcasts. You can find all of our live shows after the fact and our audio only shows after the fact. So please check that out and check out Behind the Still Curtain, the website. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown, anything your, your little heart, heart desires. When it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, we have it for you. So please check us out. You will not be sorry. And of course, let's check out the live chat. And I know who was number one tonight, and that's Jared Devil. I saw him with the, with the, uh, was it the peace sign, the peace emoji. Ivor is with us, George Teston, Steelers Pittsburgh, Brian Brown, Claude Bishop. I haven't seen Claude in a while. Welcome, Claude. Stay with the Steelers. I like that. Uh, and he says, hey, Steelers fam, just f- finished my live sip of Steelers. Might as well still drink it up with Tony. Ha ha. Is, is that one of our? I don't know. Is that another show we have? Maybe it is. We have so many shows. But as the title suggests, we're going to talk about the third phase of OTAs, and we'll start off with Danny Owens joins us. Hello, Danny. He says, hi, Tony. Anyway, we'll start off with talking about the the presence or lack thereof of defensive end Stefan Tuitt, who, as you know, missed the entire 2021 campaign um, due to multiple reasons, I think. I mean, there, there's a, the, the, the tragedy involving his brother who was uh, – killed in a hit and run accident last year, last summer. And of course he had, he had a knee injury. So those are the two uh, reasons why he was out. I'm not sure which one is the root reason. Well, we might never know that the Steelers haven't uh, really said anything definitive in that regard and, and neither has stuff on to it. So we'll never know. All we know for sure is he wasn't there last year and he, he wasn't that OT. He hasn't been at OTA. So that's a, uh, a matter of discussion. It's been a matter of discussion all week. You know, my stance on, on OTAs, it's like, you know, they're all voluntary. I mean, I, I, I realize a lot of people get upset about it when, when certain players don't show up, but it seems like it's like I've said before, it seems like OTAs people only notice when there's a reason attached to why the player isn't there. Uh, obviously Stefan to it. He missed off last year. He's not at OTAs right now. So it's leading to speculation about his future. Is he done? Are they going to cut him? Uh, there's talk about him being a June 1st release or a post-June 1st release. And when I say 
talk. I mean, among the fans, I really haven't heard that uh, with regards to the media, but there's been speculation in that regard. What do they do if he doesn't show up to minicamp, which I believe, I think initially was supposed to be the middle of June. I was looking at their website the other day for a, for the article I, I wrote for Friday, but then I found out uh, that it's the seventh. I think it starts. So basically you have about 10 days before minicamp starts, which I, it's basically just like OTAs. It's football and shorts, but it's mandatory. And I guess it's a little bit more involved when it comes to, um, you know, drills and, and, you know, seven on seven, nine on seven, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be there. And if he's not going to be there, what happens after that? The Steelers, uh, will they make a move if he's not there? Do they already know he's not going to be there? Because that's the thing. Maybe they've they have already reached a uh, an agreement that he will not be there till training camp. We don't know. I mean, I'm obviously putting the cart ahead of the horse because he very well might be at at minicamp. But if he's not, is that reason to believe that he's done or that they're done with him, uh, or do they have a prearranged agreement that he will be back? at the end of July when training camp starts. We might never know that because I think the Steelers, particularly Mike Tomlin, I think they take great pride in keeping the media in the dark. What did uh, the late, great Tunchulkin once say was Chuck Knoll's philosophy, speaking of, of deceased uh, legends, uh, legendary Chuck Knoll, and Tunch said that, that Chuck's philosophy on, on the media was keep them in the dark and feed them manure. So I think uh, in, 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 in a way, Mike Tomlin relishes not telling the media what they want to know about to its situation. So uh, we may never know the, 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 what agreement's in place between them and to it, if there is an agreement at all. Maybe they're expecting him to, to be at minicamp. So I don't know, but it seems like this is only a big deal. Like I said earlier, when something's attached to it, like Deontay Johnson's not there, he's not at OTAs. And as you know, he's looking for a new contract and they don't normally give second contracts to receivers. They've only done it twice, Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown. And when you look at the market for receivers now, you can make a strong case that Deontay Johnson is in the market for a contract that will pay him what they paid Antonio Brown five, six years ago when he was the best receiver in the NFL and when the market was about 17, 18 million. That's pretty much what what the going rate is for, for starting number one receivers, which you can make an, an argument that Deontay Johnson is that. Now, is that the reason why he's not at OTAs? I don't know. It's pr- it probably is. But uh, if he was skipping OTAs just because, would anybody care? Probably not, because the media wouldn't be harping on it. Because there would be no reason there would there would be no reason attached to Johnson's absence. And quite frankly, I mean, I realize it, it's 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 fun. It's fun. It's great for the site and for podcasts. It gives us something to talk about. But I almost wish there weren't OTAs that we would just skip right from the draft. And then, you know, the schedule review. And then you have mini camp, which is mandatory. 
and then you have training camp because you know these OTAs. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just another reason to to for people to sort of take sides and and people to get upset and for there to be arguments on social media and talk shows, people to just get all riled up about these OTAs, which again are, are voluntary. So there's really only one solution and that's to make them all mandatory, you know, which I mean, if they would, if it would be negotiated into the CBA, then these players wouldn't have a leg to stand on. And, and, you know, if they did, decide not to show up, it would be a holdout because that's what the definition of a holdout is when you don't show up to something that your, your employer requires you, uh, when your employer requires you to be there and you don't show up to that, that's, that's the very definition of a holdout. You're, you're, uh, missing work without cause or without notice or whatever. So, but they do have the OTAs and, and they seem to go on for, for months. It, it seems like there's really what, when, when did the OTA, the OTA start? I should know this, but they start when, I guess in April, maybe right after the draft and, and, and they last all the way through uh mini camp. It's, you know, it's, they're, they're off and on They're periodical over these, you know, next three months, April through June, and then they have a month off and then training camp. So, my advice to to um, football teams, team owners, is just to, to fight hard to make these mandatory. And until then, um, you can't really say anything publicly against them for not being there. Otherwise, it's you look bad. But I'm not so sure how much the players and the coaches really care when their teammates and, and their players don't show up to OTAs. I'm not sure if that's as big a deal as we make it out to be. You know, Kim Hayward spoke to the media about to it on uh, Tuesday and he seemed fine with it. And I mean, to quote him, he's the team captain. And he said, I've never had a full attendance at the OTA. So I, I wonder if, if they care nearly as much as we do about this stuff. Um, and again, do we only care when there's, a, when there's something else attached to it, something uh, ca- causing the player to miss that kind of ruffles the feathers of the fans in the media. And in Johnson's case, that would be money. So I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens when mini camp rolls around, because if Deontay Johnson doesn't show up for that, that's definitely a holdout because he's supposed to be there. If Stefan to, if, if Stefan to doesn't show up, maybe he had an agreement with the team or, or they, then again, maybe he's just not, his heart isn't in it. And, and it would then be time for them to make a decision about their relationship moving forward. So that's pretty much all I had to say about OTAs. Uh, actually, no, I wanted to say a little bit more about OTAs, and that's it's. It was interesting to see Mason Rudolph taking uh, "quote unquote" second team reps, which I don't even know if, if you can even call anything first, second, third, fourth team reps when it comes to OTAs. But but the um, if you look at the the totally unofficial 
uh, depth chart at quarterback, and Rudolph is uh, is second, which, I mean, it makes sense. Mitch Trubisky was brought in to be the starter, and Mason Rudolph was was uh, un- already under contract. He's been here for five years. Uh, he's theoretically in the mix to uh, be the starting quarterback next year. And Kenny Pickett and Chris Oladukin are draft picks or rookies. So that's nothing. There's nothing unusual about that. Uh, but yeah, when you, when you, when you watch Twitter and people reacting to that, it's almost like they're offended that Mason Rudolph. It's funny. People are, are mad that Johnson and especially to it aren't at OTAs, but they seem to be equally as angry that Mason Rudolph decided to show up and participate and, uh, and throw passes and stuff to his teammates and, uh, talk to reporters and say that he he still believes he could be the starting quarterback. People are like offended by that, but to me, I like that kind of confidence. I like the fact that he's here. You know, I mean, uh, there haven't been any rumors of him asking to be traded or released. Uh, he hasn't shown up with a, a a bad attitude. You know, like you hear things with you know Baker Mayfield and uh, how poorly he took the trade for Deshaun Watson. You haven't seen any, anything like that with, with uh, Mason Rudolph. He's been at least visibly, you know, when, when in front of the cameras and, and at practice, the consummate professional. And uh, he actually does seem more confident this year than he ever has. I mean, it's, I, I don't think any of us could ever, you know, truly realize what, what it must be like to to be the quote unquote understudy of a franchise quarterback, especially one that maybe isn't very happy that you're there. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think it's any secret that he was not a big fan of Mason Rudolph's presence. I think he felt threatened by him. And that's a, you go back to, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, Joe Montana, Steve Young. Not that I'm saying Mason Rudolph's on that level with any of those quarterbacks I mentioned, but you know, you, you hear stories from former all-time great quarterbacks and how they kind of acted towards their quote-unquote heir apparent. So, you know, for for Mason Rudolph to for this to be his first first uh, off-season, first OTAs and then mini camp and training camp without Ben Roethlisberger there. I mean, I'm sure he feels like he has in a lot of ways, a new lease on life. You know, he can be himself. He can be uh, more of a leader. Uh, As he said in his interview the other day, when he was talking to the press, it's a mostly young team. Now there are a lot of those guys are younger than him and he's still fairly young. So, you know, know, this is a time for the, for, I think most, most teams, they want somebody to, at the quarterback, the quarterback position, they want that somebody to, to, to step up and, and, and lead the team. You know, I think, you know, the, uh, a lot of, a lot of players, they're individuals that they, they, they act as individuals, you know, they're very active on social media. They, they all have their unique personalities, but I think they're all most uh, professional athletes are kind of, especially football players are they're, they're It's ingrained in them that somebody's has to step up and be the leader. And that's always the quarterback. It, it should be the quarterback. So there's an opportunity there for, for 
for Rudolph to to step up and 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 grow as a leader. But obviously, he's got to prove it on the field, and uh, that'll be this training camp and, of course, in the preseason. But the odds are against him. There's no question. The odds are against him. You know, uh, with Trubisky there, and, and especially Kenny Pickett. I mean, can't you draft the guy in the first round? Uh, the odds are against Mitch Trubisky being around uh, beyond 2022. So, yeah, the odds are against Mason Rudolph, but but I'm, I like the fact that that he showed up and that he is still confident and still determined to to win that starting job against all odds. And I think the fans should be, I know a lot of people don't like Mason Rudolph. I, I get it. I mean, I lived through it for 20 years, but every quarterback between Bradshaw and Ben, there was like a, almost a personal hatred. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they didn't just hate his, the play on the field. They made it personal. So I get it. It's just the nature of being a fan. But there might be a time when we need Mason Rudolph. When I say we, I mean the fans to be the Steelers quarterback. So, you know, the fact that he's still in it mentally and, and emotionally, I think that, that that's that, that's a, a great sign. So that's all I want to say about, about the OTAs. And uh, I want to talk about one more thing. Uh, here, here's uh, John. This is what I mean about about John Funkner uh, says that Chris Oladukin is better than Mason Rudolph. Based on what, John? Elaborate. You can't just throw that out there. I mean, I, it, it was good that you did because I – for, you know, sometimes I, I forget the uh, greater than and less than sign, what it means. So I'm glad you put that up there. But based on what? What are you basing that? Because I've heard this before. They just should just cut Mason Rudolph. And Oladokun, I got to say his name right. Oladokun will be the third stringer. Yeah, but what if he's not good? What if he can't uh, do anything on the football field once he... Uh, uh, puts on the Steeler helmet. What if he can't uh, read a defense? What if he can't complete a pass? What if, what, if, what if his accuracy is horrible? Based on what? Because he's the latest draft pick. That's what it's based on. And we all hate Mason Rudolph. When I say we, I mean you guys. I think it would be, would be neat if he won the job. But I, I think it's going to be neat, a great story no matter who wins the job. Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. My uh, thing has always been what's best for the Steelers? That's okay by me. And, you know, moving forward, Kenny Pickett's a great story. Mitch Trubisky's a great guy, and he could be a great re redemption story. But moving forward from this point on, it's incumbent that the Steelers find the best guy for the job, starting quarterback. So, you know, and Steelers check 46. This is why I love you guys. When, when John Funkner uh, got me all upset, he said, my own prediction. Okay, so at least he elaborated. Well, that's that's it. Thank you, John. When he got me all riled up about Mason Rudolph, I was going to talk about the uh, new GM, Omar Khan. He was named the new general manager this week. Uh, he he beat out 15 other candidates. Um, it's funny, you know, two or three years ago, when the talk of re replacing and retiring Kevin Colbert came up, Omar Khan was the first person people talked about, uh, you know, he's the, the vice president of, or he was the vice president of, of football administration, quote unquote, he's a numbers guy. 
he's the one who, who he's the salary cap guru. He helps negotiate contracts. He's been with the team for 21 years, but I mean, he was the, the first guy people thought of as a successor to, to Kevin Colbert. And then you start hearing other names like Brandon Hunt, who's also a excellent uh, candidate and was with the organization for a while. And he interviewed, uh, but then, once the uh, once Kevin Colbert made it official that he was re- he was stepping down, they went out and and, and did a, an extensive search for the new person. And I get it. I mean, this is a very big deal. Um, so you want to be as thorough as possible. And you know, Tom Donahoe and uh, Kevin Colbert they've been the only ones really that have held this title. I mean. Donahoe wasn't, he was never officially the GM, but he essentially was, you know, working alongside Cower and, and Noel before, before Cower. But um, officially, this, this is only the second time in the history of the franchise that they had to find the general manager. And actually, this is the first time that they went looking for a, a, a general manager when, when a title existed within their organization because it didn't exist when Kevin Colbert was hired back in what, 2000. So, it was a very big deal. Um, so they had they had to, to be very thorough in their search. But the person that, you know, just like you know, those love songs always say, the person they were looking for was right in front of them all along, and it was Omar Khan. And I mean, I liked it. I like it. I mean, I, I, a lot of people were apprehensive because they think he's just a quote unquote numbers guy. And believe me. First of all, I doubt they would have hired Omar Khan to be their new GM if they thought he was just a numbers guy and that he would handle that side of it. And they brought in Andy uh, Weidel as the assistant GM. He spent time with the Ravens, Eagles, won a couple championships, I think. I know he won one with the Eagles. I think he won one with the uh, as part of the Ravens, too. Anyway, he's a very uh, well thought of football guy, personnel guy, and they signed him on to be the, the uh, assistant GM. But I, I doubt they would have hired Omar Khan if, if they just wanted him to, to stick to the numbers side and have somebody like Weidel be the be the uh, the, the personnel man and, and make all those decisions. No, they hired Omar Khan because they think he can do the job of GM, which which encompasses so much. It's not just about personnel, by the way. It's about uh, you know, you gotta you gotta deal with the coaches, you gotta deal with the day the day to day operations of the franchise. Uh, you have to, to deal with uh, discipline issues, disciplinary issues with the players. Uh, you have to be out in front of everything. I mean, you have to have your hand in everything from uh, personnel, scouting, coaching. You know, you know, you know, overseeing the coaching staff. Um, even like the 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 day to day, the who the secretary is, who the who works for the secretary. You know, there's everything. It, it involves like, like Bill Cower said in his book um, last year when he was head coach. He n- never realized that being a head coach meant you managed everything. You were responsible for everything, not just coaching, but everything. And that's what a GM is too. Uh, they're responsible for every single facet of that organization. It's not just personnel, it's everything. So um, 
again, I doubt they would have hired Omar Khan if they thought he could, he knew nothing about personnel. The guy has been in football for 25 years. I'm sure he's picked up a thing or two when it comes to evaluating talent. So, uh, Make no mistake about it. He's going to be the GM. He's going to be, it's going to be a collaborative effort, but it's always been a collaborative effort. They've made no secret about it. When, it, when, when Whenever you talk to Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Art II, you know, going back Dan Rooney, they've always talked about it being, being a collaborative effort. You know, they, they, they talked about how much Brandon Hunt was involved in, in player personnel. Bill Nunn all those years ago as, as a scout. It's always been a collaborative effort with, the Steelers. What did Mike Tomlin say once? It's not about who has the idea. It's about the idea and whether or not it's a, it's a good idea. So, uh, but Omar Khan is still going to be the, he's the GM. That's, it's not, they're not going to compartmentalize everything. And otherwise, again, otherwise, why would they even have hired him as the GM? So, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about, you know, the day-to-day operations of a football team. So it's hard for me to say whether or not I think it's a good hire. I, I, I think it's a good hire, but whether or not I think it's a bad hire, <laughs> that's the opinion of a lot of people. I, I don't know why you would think that because none of us really can see what goes on in a, in a, in the day-to-day operations of, of a professional sports team. So I like his experience. I like obviously what he's been able to do with the salary cap and, and, and contract negotiations. So he's definitely somebody who, who knows the inner workings of the, of the franchise. And he's definitely someone who has a great relationship with Mike Tomlin, which is important. He has a great relationship with art. The second, which is important. And, And he knows the quote unquote stealer way. So from that perspective, it's a good hire. Um, as far as, as uh, what it means for the, for the franchise for the future, I guess we'll have to find out. I mean, you know, it's, 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 I think people forget that when it comes to even executive positions like this, it's, um, there's a learning curve. And, I fully expect if Omar Khan sticks around, I fully expect him to be a much better GM five years down the road, 10 years down the road than he is in the beginning. Not to say he's going to be bad, but I, I certainly expect him. If he's, if he's somebody who was good enough to, to, to stick with the, with the team since 2001, if he's good enough to, to be a, a high ranking executive in the NFL since 1997, then I am fully confident that he he's going to be able to to become a really good general manager. And he has a good he has a good uh, team around him. He has a great owner. He has a great coach. He seems to be surrounding himself with a, with a great staff. And Andy Weidel and Sheldon White is his. Uh, I think he didn't say titles, but I believe he's going to be head of the scouting team. I, I don't know, but but um, yeah. They seem to have a, a good team in place, and we'll see what happens. So, I'm glad they made a decision. I'll tell you that much, um, because 
this, it, it had gone on for a while. And again, rightfully so. It's a big deal. But I'm glad they finally made a decision. And now they can move forward and, uh, and prepare for the 2022 campaign. And at the end of the day, that's really what we're all excited about is the 2022 campaign. So congratulations to Omar Khan. Good luck to Omar Khan. And uh, ho hopefully you can hold on to the job for as long as your predecessor did, which would be uh, a, uh, a testament to, to the kind of job you didn't, you know, it would be a testament to your talent. So that's all I had to say tonight. Now we'll take some questions and comments. And I'll start with Dallas Quinley. Are we, are the Steelers going to miss James Washington? I don't, not the James Washington that was here. They're not going to miss that guy. Now, if he goes on to be, you know, TO 2.0, you know, on the field anyway, then yeah, they'll miss him. But as of right now, <laughs> there's really nothing to miss about James Washington other than the fact that uh, he had a great work ethic and, you know, he, he, he loved to fish and hunt and that a lot of Steeler fans are into that kind of stuff. So he was relatable in that way. He was a hard worker. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he was never in the limelight. He never, he never uh, said anything on social media. So in that regard, they might, you might miss the, 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 the person, but the player, I mean, it, it, I, I, not, not unless he, he drastically improves. Steeler chick 46 says, takes your burgers, burgers. I, I assume you mean for Memorial day. Yeah, definitely a burger guy. Although I've been trying to eat more uh, protein and less, less uh, simple carbs lately. And it seems to be working. So I might have to take it easy this, uh, this weekend. Let's see who else we have here. Wes Hickok joins us. The legendary Wes Hickok. Hello, Wes. Good to see you, man. All right. What else we have here? Steelers Pittsburgh says the Browns are the basement dwellers again. Well, that would uh, that would be uh, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Especially with uh, Deshaun Watson as their quarterback and all the hype on them again. I think. Before, before the end of the uh, summer, I bet you they're more hyped up than the Bengals, who are the defending AFC champions. You watch. Wes Hickok says about Omar Khan, I question his draft knowledge. Well, a lot of people do. But, I mean, he's been with uh, Kevin Colbert for 20 years. So, I mean, I'm sure he's learned a lot from him as far as uh, evaluating players and and uh, evaluating the draft and prospects. This is another one from Dallas Quinley. Another great question. Would, would DeMarvin Leal, Leal take Tewitt's job if Tewitt is a no-show this year? I mean, that's, hard, that's impossible to say right now. I mean, we don't, we don't know anything about, about DeMarvin Leal. Uh, but there are other candidates, like uh, obviously Chris Wormley, um, of course, louder milk and, and Carlos Davis, people like that. I wouldn't, I mean, you can't really say you can't predict anything about draft picks until you see what they do on the field. Sonia Wilson says the Browns are going to be unstoppable. Once, once Deshaun Watson is settled in, well, that's certainly a uh, popular sentiment. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Dill Wittett says, 
I still think the Steelers need to go out and get a CB1 to be honest. Well, I mean, where do you get CB1s? I mean, <laughs> they don't grow on trees. I mean, who's floating around out there right now as a CB1? Joe Hayden? Players of that caliber, that age? Not that Joe Hayden's a bad court. I, I love Joe Hayden, but I mean, I mean, who are you going to get uh, right now? I mean, trade for somebody? I mean, that's, that's, that's going to cost a pretty penny. So I don't know who they would get. You just basically have to hope. And, and again, like I said a, a number of weeks ago, this is where the lack of the failure of Justin Lane to develop into anything by his fourth year, this is where that, that comes back to bite you, former third-round pick. You figure a guy like that should at the very least be a starter for you by now probably in his second year as a starter, yet he's basically just a special team. He barely, he barely plays as a backup. So, you know, those, those uh, CB1s don't grow on trees. So I don't know where you would get them. You would have to, you would have to go out and make and swing a deal. And to be quite honest, I think they're, they're comfortable with their secondary the way it is with, uh, with Levi Wallace and, 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 and Witherspoon and, and uh, Cam Sutton as the corners. And, and of course, uh, Minka and, and Terrell Edmonds is, is a safety. And then, you know, you, you have depth there. James Pierre got some uh, experience last year. Uh, we'll have to see what, how that's uh, helped him to improve it. If he has improved at all. I mean, he lost his starting job by the end of the year. He lost the Weatherspoon. So uh, what has he learned? Uh, Cause he was an undrafted free agent out of, out of uh, Florida international, I believe. And you know he he played a little bit at the end of 2020, but obviously he he played a lot last year, but he struggled, which is not uncommon for a young corner. So there's somebody we have to keep an eye on because if he can develop into something, then maybe he could be your CB one. You don't know, you don't know where these guys can come from. Sometimes Brian Brown says, "Remember when we all thought James Pierre was going to be the guy? I think we were all." optimistic and excited about him. I don't know if anybody truly thought he was going to be the guy. We were certainly excited about the, the potential, his athleticism, his size, everything like that. Uh, but he's an undrafted free agent. So, you know, he took his lumps last year. What has he learned? Did, did, can, can he use that to get better? Can he use that to grow? How did he train in the off season? So, you know, he's somebody, maybe he can, he can make a, a leap this year. He's someone to keep an eye on. Steelers Pittsburgh says Devin Bush should be playing with a chip on his shoulder because the Steelers didn't pick up his fifth year option. Well, I mean, you saw the uh, if you if you saw the social media videos he po- he's posted within the last month or two, he definitely looks like he's he's gained his uh, his quickness back. The question is, has he uh, gotten over the whatever it was that, that kept him from really being aggressive last year? Because People like Arthur Motes and I think even like Taylor, those kind of people, they said he did not show great effort last year. So if anybody would know, it's a former player. Um, it's hard for me to look at a, look at a, a, a player and, and be able to, to determine if he's giving maximum effort, if he's taking a playoff. But these guys have been in the uh, NFL fields and they've been in the uh, in these battles and, and, and they know what, what they're looking at. So, Arthur Moat said it. So uh, whatever it was that kept him, Devin Bush, from being aggressive last year and, 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 and being the player that he looked like he could be through the first 20 or so games of his career, 
hopefully he gets out. He 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 gets over that, and he can he can continue to uh, move towards being that impact player that they hoped he could be when they drafted him and gave up so much to move up ten spots three years ago. And Brian Brown says, "I'm ready for some Steelers football." I know it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, but that's one good thing about the NFL, Brian, and everybody else. It, it has a, a way of keeping you engaged all off season, sometimes for 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 better or worse. But it, it keeps you engaged. And what is t- today? It's May twenty seventh, and uh, so we have two months before training camp. Before you know, it, it'll be preseason, and then boom. It's the regular season. So we have, what, 13 weeks to go before the regular season? It'll go by just like that. I just wish the Pirates were good so I could have some baseball to watch or to be excited about anyway. Reginald Rivers, what's up, man? Reginald Rivers joins us. He says, hello. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have any any more questions. And Sealer Chick 46 asked, is Hayden still a free agent? He sure is. He sure is. And we talked about this on the uh, Q&A with, uh, with Kyle the other night. Um, he probably wants a little bit more than teams are willing to give him at this stage of his career. Because he was making around $8, 9000000 million, somewhere in there, as a stealer. And if he wants around that amount at this point, I mean, I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it but the market might say they don't want to pay you know like the market might determine that he's not worth it so that's probably why he's unsigned is he his his sights are probably a little bit too high right now as far as salary and maybe he has to come down a little bit at this stage of his career if he wants to keep playing football so yeah he's still a free agent at, at, at this stage reginald rivers what free agent running back will the Steelers bring in? I'm not sure if they're going to bring anybody in, to be honest, uh, Reginald. Um, obviously, Najee Harris is the bell cow. He's the uh, he's the workhorse. He got the vast majority of touches last year as a rookie. I don't see that changing all that much this year. Uh, Benny Snell looks like a perfectly fine backup. Uh, you have Anthony McFarland. You have a couple of, of uh, undrafted free agents. So maybe they're just going to have youth as the, uh, as the, the depth for, uh, for, a a, a, a young Najee Harris. I don't anticipate them bringing anybody in. Um, there are always guys floating around, but I, I don't really see them, uh, doing that right now. Barring, barring an injury, of course. And Brian Brown asked the Steelers had success making splash plays on special teams. Do you think that will continue? I certainly do. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, who's the guy? The guy they brought in from Detroit. The the, the safety, even though he's uh, um, Miles uh, Miles Killebrew. Yeah, he the guy is phenomenal. So I, I certainly expect him to be to continue to be a uh, an impact player on special teams, and I certainly anticipate him maybe blocking one or two punts again this year. So I certainly do. Uh, that was an em- emphasis last year. And that's that's where, you know, that's often part of the game that people often forget is special teams. And that's why, you know, you can't just, uh, you can't just um, 
overlook the guys that are on that on that unit. So they seem to have a pretty good thing going on special teams now. Uh, they still have uh, Gilbert the third back there, and I mentioned Justin Lane. Benny Snell is a good special teams player. Uh, they brought they got this Mark Robinson, the the what sixth round pick, seventh round pick, seventh round pick. Uh, I mean, if he makes a team, he certainly looks like somebody who could be a special teams ace, hard hitter. Uh, if, if, if Cam's little brother makes a team, there's another candidate to be a special teams ace. Obviously, um, TJ Watt's brother, Derek, is a fantastic uh, special teams player. So they definitely have some, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they, they definitely have some good, good, good guys on that unit now. So I look for that to continue again in 2022. And on that note, I think I'm going to go, uh, go to bed now. It was fun talking to you guys. If I don't see you till Monday, which I probably won't, you have a great Memorial Day and I'll talk to you on Monday on the actual holiday with Brian and Shannon on the hangover. But until then, have a great holiday and go Steelers.